This has been such a fun episode to research. <laughs> My Pinterest board right now is really confused because <laughs> I've been looking up all these like 90s and early 2000s nostalgic things. Yeah. And then there's all these other <laughs> things. It's like, what are you doing? Who are you? <laughs> Kara just went back in time, I like just, 20 years. I just time traveled. And it really did. Looking up some of these old things from my childhood brought back so many memories yeah. and really made me stop and think about some of these things that were just a normal part of my life have really impacted the person I am mm. today. Welcome to the Real Talk Podcast from Real FM. Here's Anson, Kara, and Isaac. Welcome to Real Talk Season 4, Episode 3 already. I am Kara, hanging out with Anson and Isaac in the studio today. This is Real Talk, a show where we get real about everything from current events to culture and faith. Hey, guys. Hello. Hello. Hey, how are you? I'm good. How are you? I'm great. Good. So <laughs> today on The Conversation, we're talking about nostalgia, specifically what are the most influential things from our childhood. Ooh. I'm kind of excited about this one, guys. I'm pumped. I, I like the idea of talking about things that are influential yes. from our childhood, not just interesting, because there are lots of interesting things. Lots. Yeah. But influential, I'm really interested to hear I know. the kind of stuff that shaped little Isaac and little Kara. <laughs> Aww. Little <laughs> so Isaac, sweet. little Kara. I know. It's going to be a super fun conversation. So we're starting off, though, with Hypothetically Speaking, where we navigate the trickiest of hypothetical situations. Today, I get to throw Isaac and Anson for a loop. Are you guys ready? <laughs> so ready. <laughs> Let's okay. go. Pick this one especially for you. <laughs> so, it is suddenly and inexplicably discovered that horses are 100% fireproof. <laughs> incapable of being harmed in any way by flame, heat, or smoke. And you are tasked with determining how to use this newfound knowledge for the benefit of humanity. Oh what are your gosh. suggestions? <laughs> okay. Fireproof horses. Yes. I cannot wait <laughs> to hear where you go with this. Isaac, I'm going to let you start us yeah. off on this. because right. I feel like the gears are already turning so, in your head. So just off top, I'm yeah. going to throw out a phrase yeah. and you guys are going to be able to see where I'm going with this. Uh-huh. Okay. Horstronauts. Horstronauts. <laughs> okay. Wow. Okay. So I'm thinking that a huge part of outfitting spacecraft, a huge budget for space travel is yes. accommodating for heat dispersion, right? Ah, mm. yes. So, oh my goodness, I never would have thought of stuff this. Stuff in space wow. is hot. <laughs> the sun <laughs> is hot. Are you going to just launch horses into the <laughs> sun? Listen, 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 listen. So we could save money on building spaceships for these horstronauts because they are resistant to heat. Wow. Are you going to make like horsehair spaceships? Look. Oh. <laughs> You're tracking with me. Uh, yeah, okay. The friction building up from leaving or re-entering atmospheres. Right. Oh, wow. Totally negated by horse hair. <laughs> also, an additional benefit of this, Anson. Uh-huh. Yes, we could launch horses into the sun oh, and wow. colonize the sun using only American horses. <laughs> I'm not sure what benefit that yeah. would provide to us. Like, yeah. Horses on the sun. <laughs> I see your point. I think it's... Convinced. I was just thinking like horse firefighters would be like the obvious oh, place to go. Yeah. Of you course. Know, you yeah. like load them up with some water and stuff and send them into burning buildings and right. things. Yes. To rescue people. Right. Yeah. But that's kind of the low hanging fruit of this, I feel like. <laughs> would save more lives than my space <laughs> horse plane. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> not a bad place to start. Yes. Right. But all of a sudden, horse hair becomes like a valuable, exactly. valuable commodity. Which right. could be tricky because now we're getting into like yeah, is that cruelty something to that animal can, territory. Yeah. Can you just. Ooh. 
Well, we shave sheep. We like sheep sheep. <laughs> we can shear horses. Shave shear shear horses. horses. Do they? I don't know how that works. They're I'm not. A, their hair isn't very long. Give them so. a, well, they yeah. grow their manes out. Yeah. You just trim up the manes. Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> the ones that will be on Earth still. Isaac's yeah. going to have to find out a humane way a humane to do way, this because yes. we can't just like start skinning horses. Oh my gosh. Yeah, so. Your wife would not be no, happy no, no, with no, you. No, 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 no. Yeah, that would not. <laughs> Trim their manes up. That would not work. Okay. Yeah, right. And the tails. I mean, we're going to have like horsehair everything. Yeah. Like yeah. coats and like clothing. Yeah. And but then also really random stuff. Like instead of... <laughs> Fire safes. We're right. gonna have like yeah, horsehair horse fire safes, <laughs> like this like, weird, you know, this gross. fuzzy looking safe. Like yeah, horsehair wallpaper. Yeah. You like line the walls of your oh. house with it, right? These are much more practical. Maybe it's like <laughs> insulation in your house, right? Yeah. I really like that. that. Would be yeah. Fascinating. Coach yourself in horsehair and just set yourself on fire. <laughs> All of a sudden, like horse breeding programs and stuff yeah. are gonna go crazy. because there's gonna be such a demand. Yeah, right. The military is going back to horsepower now, like uh, literally, yeah. because. Yeah. Yeah, tanks, safer. like yeah. we, we want you're horses. riding horses. <laughs> Some military enthusiasts are just stoked at this I idea. I mean, we right should now. point out though that it doesn't say that horses are like immortal or no. like, undamageable. It's just fire that just we know of. So, <laughs> I mean, maybe this is just the first step. Unless they're a unicorn, in which case, I mean, so the horse astronauts still have to be in it, vehicles. Yeah. Well, I and assume things. they still they have, have to, to breathe oxygen, right? Yes, That's so fair. that might provide some sort of limitations to my horse colonization. Right. We'd all we'd <laughs> also have to come up with like. Heat-proof horse astronaut helmets, and breathing apparatus. Yeah. Yeah. Also, like, do the horses know what to do once they get to the sun? Do they just? Well, that was my point. Is like, yeah. you know, what are we really going to learn from that? We but will train them. Doesn't sound like that's really the point. Horses are so smart. <laughs> but, just I mean, be loading I, up all these horses. <laughs> what are you doing? I think horses are supposed to be pretty smart animals. They yeah. are. So maybe we can. But train I don't them. know that if we could. Yeah, if we could yeah. train them to actually like communicate back to us, like you know, what's the what? sun like? Like, they're just they're neighing like, a lot. Nay. <laughs> <laughs> I don't at, know what that means. <laughs> are you at the sun yet? Nay. <laughs> are they saying okay, no? Is that a yes or a no? <laughs> there definitely are some firefighter applications for yeah. this, though. Yeah, for sure. The thing that you would have to figure out is how to load them up with yeah. like water dispersion yeah. stuff. This is true. So, like, maybe as they run or something, like. They have like a sprinkler on their back kind of thing oh. that like goes around as the yeah. you know as they nice. run. So if they're running through there, it just that sprays like water or the foam or the yeah, yeah that they drop. That'd yeah. be cool. Yeah. The anti-flame stuff everywhere. At the very Send minimum, them. horse shows are about to get a lot more. <laughs> <laughs> like I'll start watching the Kentucky Derby now. Uh, <laughs> that's true. Yeah, they could have some really gnarly horse races. Rings yeah. of fire, except that the humans still aren't fireproof. That's true. So, that's so they'd problem. have to be jockeyless we'll work on or it. things would go bad really quickly. <laughs> the other thing is that horses are very easily frightened. Yes, yeah. that's what I was thinking. And this may not change. So we'd have to definitely work on training them to not be afraid of Ooh. flames. And yeah. Which they may you not think know. would be doable, but visually it still might be a concern. Say, yeah, fire is still scary Or looking. collapsing buildings or things could still be a problem. So. <laughs> yeah, that's usually a problem. Yeah. Collapsing buildings, you know. <laughs> those things are problems. Oh my goodness. <laughs> All right. I was not disappointed. Thank you very much. All 
All right, now that we've settled horse turnouts and horse firefighters, <laughs> all the important things, we've got yeah. the important stuff out of the way. That's right. Let's take a look at our top three. This week, I have narrowed it down to my most important topic oh, okay. in my life. What are your top three pizza toppings? Ooh, oh, wow. That is a good one. Yes. Big question. We may end up in an all-out brawl over this question. <laughs> <laughs> People take their pizza toppings pretty seriously. They yeah. really do, including me. Yes. <laughs> oh, Take okay. them very seriously. Okay, what is your what's, what's your third? Are we going to start with me? Let's let's work backwards. Let's All go right. three, two, one. All right, number three. I'm going to go out on a limb on number three and use that as kind of my wild card slot sure. here. Ooh. Sure. Okay. And I also just feel the need to defend this pizza topping <laughs> because it is constantly attacked by oh. people who know nothing, and that is pineapple. Oh, I'm, yeah. in, I'm in the pineapple camp. Start yes. With the pineapple. Anyone else in the pineapple, pineapple camp? camp. Yeah. I don't. I don't mind some pineapple. You don't either. Right. Oh, it's man, not so I was hoping yeah. one of you would not like it at all, so I can yeah. prove how wrong you are. <laughs> You're so ready to fight for this it. It's going to be yeah less exciting. <laughs> No, uh, pineapple is like the most debated yeah. pizza yeah. topping of all time. People That's, have really strong feelings about they this. They do. Yeah. And pineapple is one of those toppings where honestly, like when I'm thinking about getting a pizza, I don't think Hawaiian right. super often. Yeah. Me neither. But my wife kind of likes it. And every once in a while we make, you know, pizza at home or something and we do do the pineapple thing. Mm. And when we do and then I have it, I'm like, this is so good. Yes. I should have this more often. That's yeah. true. That's always my takeaway uh. from like pineapple. And it needs to go with Canadian bacon. Yes. yes. The pineapple. Apple yes. Canadian bacon combo. Yep. It's true. It just it works. It does. Yeah. People who say it doesn't work, it doesn't yeah. go with red sauce, whatever. You no, know, they don't know what they're talking we about. We live in a fallen world. Sometimes yeah. we just see the result of <laughs> the point, fall. Isaac. And people don't like pineapple. That's so true. I'm glad you guys are on the same page as me, even yes. if that means I don't get a fight either. Too. <laughs> Kara, what's your thing? All right, my number three is bacon. How could yeah. you go you're wrong? Gonna, you're going to see a theme with mine there. You uh-huh. know? We're just going to go in that direction because you just can't go wrong. I mean, it's bacon. Bacon is one of the most beloved food items of our age. I, yeah. it, it really it's is. It's the Swiss Army food. It's, it's good yeah. on everything. It's kind of interesting. It's kind of underutilized, I feel like, when it comes to pizza. Yeah. Right. Like it's not on that many pizzas. It's yeah. true. You don't yeah. often see a solo bacon topping. No. Yeah, have you ever gotten just a bacon no, no, pizza? No. no, it's usually your compliment, too. Yeah. Okay. It's some other kick. topping. Yeah, yeah. Like one of my all time favorite pizzas is the chicken bacon ranch. Boom. Uh, so with that, it's perfect. It brings it home. It does. It yeah. really does. So Makes I'm going to go with bacon for number three. Not a bad choice at all. Yeah. My third is kind of an aftermarket upgrade when you're Ooh. at the end. Okay. This is feta cheese. Uh, pizza. Okay. Getting you wanna, fancy over You want to yeah. feel like you're a fancy <laughs> yeah. man with your fancy pants on. <laughs> you order some feta on that. They'll just throw it out. They'll sprinkle it kind of like Salt Bay. Okay. Like, mm. They'll throw some feta on there. It's kind of semi melts, but you got these little asteroids of feta all asteroids. over your all over your pizza, <laughs> y'all. Want some asteroids on my pizza? It'll change your life. I'm all for that. This is not on my list, but like I actually like spinach on pizza. Oh. And I'm kind of imagining like a spinach yes. feta kind it of works. vibe going on there. Some red worse. onions or something. Yeah, be pretty good. Be really Throw good. some feta on it. Yeah, mm. I like it. All right, number two, and on this one, I'm going to go the opposite direction. So my number three was pineapple, the kind of weird out there wild card one. Yes. Number two, I'm going with the old standby. If you have to get a one topping pizza, the basic options. Yeah. I'm going to go sausage Ooh. for oh, number two. Oh yeah. Whenever we had a pizza party growing up as a kid, they'd always be like, what do you want? You want cheese, pepperoni, or sausage? Yeah. Mm. Those are your three choices. And I'm like, first of all, we should have a lot more choices than uh, that. Yeah. Because pizza <laughs> toppings should not be limited Don't in box such an unsatisfying true. way. Right. But if I've got to choose cheese, pepperoni, or sausage... 
I'm going sausage 99% mm. of the time. Right. I'm a meatitarian. Yes. And so sausage is like right up my alley. <laughs> cheese is boring. I like yeah. cheese. You want lots of cheese on your pizza. Right. Yep. But I yep. always want more than just cheese yeah. on a pizza. Yeah. And pepperoni, there's nothing wrong with pepperoni. I would pick sausage over pepperoni every time. More of a hearty. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. There's more, there's more oomph to it. It's robust. <laughs> I like some oomph to my meat and to my pizza. <laughs> so sausage brings the oomph. Yeah. Okay. So my number two is another complimentarian type uh Uh-oh. little Uh-oh. I, I didn't mean to say it You're that way like yeah no we're not getting theological here let me back up it's a it's good a very egalitarian relationship <laughs> with my pizza um anyway sun-dried tomatoes ah <laughs> and i take this wow, one you guys are fancy i'm not feta and sun-dried tomatoes not always but this is again on that favorite pizza of mine the chicken bacon ranch and i feel You're like basically just picking I, all the no, topics no, from chicken no, bacon ranch building I'm a not. <laughs> She's just building her own chicken bacon ranch pizza over there. She's on the Domino's app right now, you guys. I'm not, but hear me. If you do, the sun-dried tomatoes adds good pop to the chicken bacon ranch. Plus, you throw sun-dried tomatoes on other little pizzas, suddenly it kicks it up a notch, right? I love sun-dried tomatoes. We use sun-dried tomatoes not just on pizza, but all sorts of stuff. And I love the flavor of sun-dried tomatoes. They add a lot, actually. Starting off a theme, my number two and one are both in the hot category. I'm going with jalapenos. Oh, I used to be adamantly against jalapenos yes. and stuff like that i recently got turned on to them and now i put them on anything i possibly oh, can jalapenos are amazing they are the instant upgrade to bring taste i, I can't do jalapenos really? yeah. it's oh. very disappointing because it feels like the thing that everybody loves and i'm like i just uh. are they too spicy or are they too they're yeah, so because I mean, they're not as spicy as a lot of people think they are right maybe that's my problem is i just think they're really spicy and so yeah. i'm like i don't want to eat those yeah, see, everyone thinks like oh no i can't do jalapenos because yeah. i don't do spicy food yeah. right like, eh, you gotta try them on certain things they actually can be relatively mild yeah yes and they just have more of a like kind of sour pepper taste yep. oh. than an actual like spicy taste yeah. yeah put some jalapenos on your pizza it's good all right we ready for number one our number one all right my number one for sure no doubt about it mushrooms Ooh. oh wow that's and a that's a controversial that's one. mushrooms are controversial I'm because fight you on that some one. people yeah. do not like mushrooms and they're wrong <laughs> mushrooms here's the thing about mushrooms okay they taste like a meat but they're a vegetable uh. best Invention ever. Oh uh, my gosh. I love mushrooms. Okay. Well, you get a meat lover's pizza, which would probably be like my standby pizza. Yeah. It's got to have mushrooms on it for meat lovers. And you're like, wait a second. Why does does my (laughs) meat lovers have a vegetable on it? Because (laughs) mushrooms are the meat of vegetables. This is Anson's presidential platform. Absolutely. I've never thought of mushrooms. They're so, yeah. I mean, they're used as a replacement for like meat at times, like portobello mushrooms mushrooms or things like that they've got kind of a meaty texture to them and if you don't like them you're so wrong (laughs) and i don't even know what to say and the disappointment that Uh, is showing up on both of your faces right now is disappointing to me i've never trusted a mushroom i just can't do it really really can't do it oh my goodness mushrooms are so good i would i could just saute mushrooms and just eat that as a side yeah no i can't why i don't know it feels like they have to be in just the right dish for me i have to kind of talk myself into them and then usually i'm like these are pretty good but I, I don't normally choose them for my pizza. It's a texture thing for me. Just the yeah. right dish is every dish okay. for mushrooms. <laughs> can't do it. I'll keep that in mind. I'll have to try well, it Well, now I can't eat pizza with you guys. Okay. Yeah. Raw. 
long. Forever banned. It's, it's over. My number one, I'm stealing Anson's. I was going to say hamburger, but I think sausage is what I'm thinking of. If you can only have one topping, what's the most satisfying? I'm thinking in my head hamburger, mm. but hamburger is not. I'm really going to hope that you mean sausage. I think I mean because sausage because it's different. Hamburger is, you can use it in a pinch on a pizza, yeah. but yeah. it's definitely it's not, not the, same the same as sausage. Like yeah. sausage has so much more yeah. robust Italian flavor, flavor to it. and substance. And hamburger yeah. is just like. <laughs> Welcome to like, our pizza you know. podcast. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that would be my number one. Can't mm. go wrong with that. <laughs> my number one is technically a topic, but it's oh, more I'm in interested the, to see where you're going here because yours have been <laughs> kind of <laughs> off the wall. Yeah. 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 yeah, so mine is hot sauce. Oh. So hot sauce. Hot sauce. So okay, that's your number one pizza wow. topic. Listen, typically pizza places will have like a hot sauce add-on. Get it at least once because really? it's just, it blends well with whatever other toppings you've got, especially if you have like some sweeter things like pineapple. Oh. My order is a feta pineapple hot sauce. It's wow. really okay, good. That's, that's starting to get weird. Yeah. That's, it's it's weird, yeah. but it works. I mean, I love hot sauce. I put it yeah, on everything. I so yeah. I would, I would totally eat yeah. a hot sauce pizza. I have nothing against that at all. You find them with like the barbecue yeah. chicken pizzas a lot. Oh, the, I do the, love the, a barbecue chicken. That'll be yeah. on there. The hot sauce. It's but kind of orange. I, I do wonder about it though. It's like your top. It's really the, the number top? one thing. Like that's the thing you can't go without. I think in that, sauce. I think in that it improves every pizza that it's on. Yeah. I mean, but if you had like a cheese pizza and yeah. you can only put like one or two toppings on it, would hot sauce be one of them? Would it take a slot? I would either dip it in hot sauce or put oh. it on there anyway. Either wow. hot sauce or red pepper flakes because I go out mm. of red pepper flakes. The red a pepper lot. flakes could oh, substitute okay. kind of yeah. in a pinch. So it's got to yeah. be a little hot for me to like it. Yeah, I'm not going there. Sorry, but enjoy. To put some hot sauce on my mushroom pizza, apparently yeah. you wouldn't say the same I the other way. Put that into the sun with uh, my horses. <laughs> Nay, I say. <laughs> All right, it is time now for a confession session, and this may be the first confession session where I make my confession, and my two co-hosts immediately go, well, yep. <laughs> wow. Because you probably both already know this about me. <laughs> okay. I'm always running late. Oh, mm. poor Anson. <laughs> yeah, it checks out. All right. <laughs> Thanks. I mean, you have a busy life. You have little ones at home. Oh, see, Kara's always sense. so nice. <laughs> Making excuses for me. Well, I think the, I can see the the parenting thing being an excuse. Yeah, yeah. there are lots of excuses, <laughs> and some of them even have some validity, yeah. probably. But I've been trying to get at the core of this. I'm like, why is this a problem for me? And and this is interesting uh, because my wife has the same problem. Yeah, mm. she's late to pretty much everything as well. And it really does. I mean, I know the cliche like there's two types of people kind of thing, mm. but it really does seem like there's kind of two types of people mm. when it comes to being late or early. Yes. Right? Right. There are people that cannot stand to be late yes. and they're on time everywhere that they go. And it's just mm. the way that they exist. And then there are people who are late to pretty much everything. Mm -hmm. And that's the way that they exist. Mm. And these two <laughs> groups of people don't always get along very well <laughs> yes. because their values very much are violated yeah. by the other group of people. Yeah. And so, so I, I'm aware of the fact that this is sometimes a problem. Punctuality is yeah. a virtue to some people that mm. you do not mess with. You do not violate. Yeah. And then here I come, you know, five, <laughs> ten minutes late to whatever it is that I'm supposed to be at. Mm. And I have violated that for people. I have a feeling based on what I know of both of you <laughs> uh. that I'm probably the only person <laughs> in the room that really struggles with this. Is that fair no. to say? Yeah. I'm or are pro, you guys late sometimes? I'm in the pro punctuality camp. Yeah. And it's actually been kind of a hurdle of mine to kind of like stop assuming that people are late because they wanted to be mm. like, mm. I've had to be like, well, you know, stuff happens. It's okay. And that's usually just been the result of me being late to several things. Uh, mm. And if I'm late to something, 
someone has died or there has been a mass disaster. (laughs) Right. But I've been late to stuff and I'm like, okay, "Okay, this happens. I need to be more forgiving about lateness. See, I am not as punctual as I would like to be. Okay. Honestly, I have this thing. I heard someone talk about it once called the time passage awareness disorder, where I think sometimes (laughs) I can get this done in this much time Mm, or like I can maybe make it. It only takes me this long and I don't always account for like the extra minutes that it takes to actually get in the door and get clocked in. So I've been struggling with this lately as well. And I think I thought I was better at it until I got married and my husband is very, Uh, very punctual and So So someone who's even further down that than you are has kind of highlighted that you're not there. I'm not always. Gotcha. I think that is one of the potential issues that could cause this. My wife and I, we call it Dree time. My wife's name is Dree. We just call it Dree time. (laughs) And she has this like way of measuring time that just doesn't actually mathematically add up. So she's like, I need to be somewhere in an hour. Right. And it takes... 40 minutes to get there and 30 minutes to do my hair and like 10 (laughs) minutes to get the girls ready. So she has an hour, but there's two hours of stuff that needs to happen. She's like, yeah, that's about right. Yeah. I'm like, no, you cannot mathematically fit all of that stuff into the amount of time that you have. The thing is for me, like that's not my problem. Like I don't necessarily miscalculate. Yeah. Yeah. And I was actually reading an article that I thought was interesting. And so I wanted to bring it up to you guys and see if you thought, Either hmm, there could be something to this or nope, that's baloney. That's just an excuse. <laughs> and if you do think that, Isaac, just come out with it. OK, I'll, I'll be honest. I don't, okay, I don't yeah. want you to I don't want you to violate your honesty. OK, yeah. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. here's what I was reading. It was talking about one of the real reasons why many people are chronically late. And this is from Psychology Today. The real reason that a lot of people are perpetually late is because if they really get down to it, they don't like being early. Oh, in the same way that people who are always on time hate being late and there's Mm. just something that they cannot stand about not being on time to something. This other group really has that same feeling with being early. Being early can actually cause stress and anxiety. And as I started thinking about this, I was like, this could be it for me. And there's a few different reasons why you might hate to be early. Number one, it's inefficient. Being early requires having to sit around with nothing to do. The waiting time is just short enough that you can't get into any other project. As soon as you do, time is up. That's frustrating. So it's not very efficient. I mean, it's inefficient in the same way that being late is, right? If you're a boss and you have a meeting with your team and you get there 10 minutes late, and you just wasted 10 minutes of your team's time thinking about how much money you're costing your business, right? right? Right. Well, if they all got there 10 minutes before the meeting started... You're losing the same amount of time and money, right? So early and late can both be inefficient to some degree. That's interesting. Okay. Another reason they hate the uneasiness of being early. And this is where I think it really hits home to me. They literally feel awkward and uncomfortable waiting. Yes. So if I get somewhere before someone else and I have to go sit at a table by myself for 10 minutes yes. or I have to like sit in my car or stand around. I'm like, I don't know what to do with my hands. <laughs> like, I, I feel super awkward being early. Yes. And uh, yeah, I'm like, I don't, I don't know what to do. And so it's easier if I just get there about like two minutes late. So I'm almost on time, but I also am yes. pretty sure that the other person is already going to be there. That's a real yeah. thing. There's other ones as well. There's opportunity cost associated with getting somewhere early. Yes. Uh, sometimes you don't want to be early to even be polite. You don't want to get somewhere too soon for mm-hmm. something. Those are lesser things to me. I think really the awkwardness, uneasiness and the inefficiency are the big things for me. Do you yes. buy it? I can understand the anxiousness associated with showing up somewhere early. Yeah. I totally get that. At the same time, I have been borderline like stood up with appointments that I have with oh, people. And in their defense, I did show up like five minutes early. 
But if I've showed up five minutes early and they've showed up 10 or 15 minutes late, that's still like about 20 minutes of my time. Right. I feel like was wasted. Yeah. So if you're making the conscious decision to say like, I'll be 10 or 15 minutes late, you have to understand people are going to be waiting on me probably. Right. Mm. I don't know. That's fair. In my defense, I will say a couple of things. One, I usually tend to be about five minutes late to stuff. I'm not like drum, you know, I'm not showing up like half an hour late to things. It's usually just a few minutes. And then the other thing is too, I feel like I'm reasonably good about like a apologizing when it happens or at yes. least touching base with someone and yeah, saying, yeah, yeah. you know, sending them a text and saying, Hey, I'm running five minutes behind, Communicate. but I'll be yeah. there really soon. Yeah. I would think that like, if you are this type of person that struggles with that, at least trying to make an effort to understand how right. you might be affecting someone yes. and try to kind of assuage their concerns a little bit could yeah. go a long way. I'm also coming from the background of dealing with musicians who are an hour late like, to everything. So like I'm sitting oh. there having to just melt down like where are they? So uh, an hour late hour too is like, is like completely different yeah. than five minutes. Yeah, 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 yeah. Like I mean oh, yeah. at that point you're talking about like borderline stood up is a fair yeah. Yeah. assessment of that. Yeah. Like that even annoys me too. Like yeah. when Dre and I yeah. host something at our house yeah. or we go to someone else's if it's a party that starts at seven and it right. goes right. to ten and we show up at seven oh five or seven ten it's yeah. no one even bats an eye at that. Right. But when you show up an hour and a half into it or yeah. something or yeah. an hour or later then all of a sudden it's kind of like did you want to come yeah. like did you you know like that's a little bit of a different level maybe interesting so anyway i know it's something i need to do better at that's the thing that you're getting at isaac i don't want to disrespect someone else mm. because of my tardiness yeah and there is an element to that absolutely when you yeah. say i'm going to mm. be somewhere at a certain time yeah you should hold up what you said right yeah. Yeah, as much as you fair. can. Communication and is a huge part of that. Mutual respect is something that could bring the, the late people and the early people <laughs> yes. together, together just a little bit. That's right. time for the conversation. Today we are talking about nostalgia, specifically the things from our childhood that influenced us the most. Mm. This has been such a fun episode to research. (laughs) My Pinterest board right now is like really confused because (laughs) I've been looking up all these like 90s and early 2000s nostalgic things and then there's all these other (laughs) things. It's like, what are you doing? Who are you? (laughs) Kara just went back in time, like 20 years. I just time traveled, excuse me. And it really did. Looking up some of these old things from my childhood brought back so many memories and really made me stop and think about some of these things that were just a normal part of my life have really impacted the person I am Mm. today, which is fascinating to think about because at the time it's just entertainment, right? You're just passing the time. You're not thinking about it. And I look at who I am today and I'm like, these things had a huge impact. Yeah. I was thinking about this as you were talking. There are these nostalgic lists all the time on Buzzfeed or these different places like, you know, 30 phrases, 90s kids will always remember or (laughs) whatever. And we love these things. We eat them up. We do. And I think there actually really is something a little bit deeper going on there Mm. beyond just the, oh, I remember that. That influenced me. That right. impacted mm. me. That shaped who I am in some yeah. way. That starts to get really interesting. Yeah, absolutely. So one of the first ones that popped to my mind when I thought about this was <laughs> musicals. I grew up on musicals. The Sound of Music, Singing in the Rain, My Fair Lady, Mary Poppins, Annie. Everybody remember Annie. Mm-hmm. Fiddler mm-hmm. on the Roof and all the Disney musicals because there's like a million of sure. those. Uh-huh. Sure. That was all happening in my most formative years. Interesting. And the musical I watched more than any probably 
was The Sound of Music. So if there's one soundtrack that sounds like my childhood, it's that. And I realize you guys probably haven't spent a lot of time watching The Sound yeah, of I Music. Yeah, I mean, I've seen it, but, but definitely yeah. don't have that type of emotional <laughs> connection to oh it gosh. that sounds like you do. I listened to it yesterday and I was just like, oh, like yeah. I'm going, going to my happy place now. Yeah. As I stopped and thought about it and thought about the characters and development of this story specifically and musicals in general, I was like, this goes way deeper yeah. than I realized there's something about music that in a musical, I know a lot of people would probably say they're fake and they're maybe inauthentic and they're just cheesy. For me, it's like almost the opposite words that are sung feel more real to me mm. almost than not. It's okay. like you can put things into songs that you can't just say with words. And also in most musicals that I've seen, there's this really strong element of hope and redemption that comes out of like, hey, there's this struggle. We're going to fight through it together. Yeah. We're going to sing about it, which like, <laughs> think about it, involves quite a bit of hope to sing about a mm, tough situation. Sure. Like yeah. you don't do that if you don't have some level of hope. Yeah, I think about specifically Maria Von Trapp and The Sound of Music and how she reinforced these values to me of laughter and music and celebration and whimsy. She started in a convent where she did not fit. She was like, I want to serve God and I'm in this religious environment. And they were like, maybe you can serve God by taking care of these seven children. She brought laughter and music and celebration back into this family that was mm. ruled by law and like rigidity. To me, it was like this affirmation that those things can be worshipped too. Mm, yeah. Like there's just this beautiful redemptive quality about this movie. But I feel this way about all musicals. Like <laughs> yeah. to this day, when I went to see The Greatest Showman, like the first opening intro and I'm just like instantly yeah. like on a level 10 happy and yeah. it's hard to explain but it feels like we're re-entering like a kind of a musical renaissance right yeah. now yeah and I mean that movie did do incredibly well oh my yeah. gosh and there's been others too like La La Land and it just does something to my soul when I see a musical I'm like okay there's something to it it somehow gives me this glimpse of there is a song to sing like yeah. it sounds so cheesy I know but no <laughs> I like what you said especially about how communicating the lines via singing adds another emotional layer. Yes. Because I feel like, I mean, line delivery in movies can be crucial in setting the tone, how you're interpreting the story mm -hmm. and everything. Having a wonderful score under that, the person is singing. I'm thinking back to Les Mis, where I, yes. did, I watched oh that, my gosh. arms crossed, being like, okay, just watch this stupid oh, musical. Mm -hmm. And then uh, at the end of it, I was like bawling. It's, <laughs> it's like, so powerful. I was in a place where Hugh Jackman made me cry. And <laughs> I was, Wolverine should not be making me Wolverine, cry. Yes, man. Totally get that. Delivering the lines, especially if you're a musical person in yes, general, yes. hearing those powerful words delivered through song, it's just incredible. Yeah, yeah. And, and hope and joy and these yeah. things that right. come across through song. I, yeah, yeah I, I can see where you're coming from on and that. There, that. Yeah, it's just amazing to me to think about. I was just watching these as a kid. It's just thought it was entertaining. But those values have become a core part sure. of mm. who I am. Sure. I feel like when I watch a musical and I have these nostalgic moments and I listen to the sound of music, it's not just, oh, that's my childhood. I'm happy. Yeah. It's reinforcing like, yeah, this is what I want to be like. Like these are the values that matter to me. This is yeah. what I want my life to be about. I want to be a hopeful person and I yeah. want to be redemptive. And these things remind me life is hard, but there's still a song to sing. It yeah. sounds like these also maybe connect you to your family yeah, in, a, in a strong way. They like, do. Uh, as, in point. addition, right? I mean, because it sounds yeah. like you, your parents were into them. And, <laughs> they were. and so that's something that you kind of inherited from them. I did. That's and a good point. I think that's a big thing with some of these really influential things, too, is how they connect us to the people that we love. Oh, absolutely. That's cool that it's a family connection point because it's a movie that did that for me. But Star Wars, the original yes. trilogy, mm -hmm. oh, that's yeah. definitely on my list because I was 
eight or nine when I first watched A New Hope. Oh, y'all, I can remember the exact <laughs> moment I watched Darth Vader come out of like, <laughs> the smoke was clearing. Yep. He was standing next to the coolest stormtroopers ever. <laughs> yep. I, I saw this guy. I spat out my Kool Aid Berry Blue Burst all over the floor. <laughs> I was like, this is the coolest thing I have ever seen. <laughs> right. This is clearly the bad guy. I love him. Uh, <laughs> My obsession with Star Wars grew from that moment on toys, video games, whatever. Uh, I had yes. it. I've got a brother who's three years behind me. I kind of like said, no, we like Star Wars. This is what we family. do in this home. <laughs> we watch the OT and we like Star Wars. Oh, so awesome. Basically, it was a connection point between both my family. We still all go to Star Wars movies. When ah, they premiere. Yes, it's how I made my best friend. So in junior high, I was in a homeschool group uh, and yeah. um, I overheard one of these kids talking about this obscure Star Wars PC Xbox game, mm-hmm. Republic Commando. And I hear one of these kids kind of screeching about Republic Commando. And to solidify the fact that I would never talk to any of these girls, I just screamed, you know about Republic Commando? (laughs) To this kid on like the second day that I was at this co-op and he's like, you know it. So me and this kid like spent the rest of the day talking about Uh, this nerdy game. It's amazing. Immediately became my best friend. Fast forward 25 years. I'm a 25 year old dweeb with a Star Wars tattoo from the (laughs) book series on my shin. I just love it. It gives me goosebumps now thinking about how influential Mm. a science fiction movie Mm. has been on me. It's wild. I love that you both have honed in immediately on stories because I think there's something about story that Mm. captivates us as adults and as children. Yes. Some of the stories that we discover as kids can really shape us moving forward. I picked out a story. I I probably could have picked a, a number of stories from my childhood, but the one that I picked out is actually a book. Mm. And it's called Mrs. Frisbee and the Rats of Nim. <gasps> Do you read this book? Okay, oh, I don't know that I actually read it. I wanted to read it. I okay. think I checked it out from the library, but I had that bad <laughs> habit of checking out stacks of books and never reading them. You but would. <laughs> I, I totally did it. But I remember seeing the cover and being like, I want to read that yes. so bad. Now, there was a movie for this as well. I think it was called like The Secret of Nim or Maybe something like that. Maybe that's what I saw. That came out in like 89 or 90 or yes, somewhere in there yes. as well. Not quite as good as the book, in my sure. opinion. The reason I, I picked this book is because it's the first book that I can remember being absolutely captivated by. That's awesome. And I read it myself. You know, I didn't read it with my parents or anything like that. I was probably in like fourth grade, fifth grade, I don't know, somewhere in that range. I don't remember exactly. Got this book from the school library. I could just remember reading it and not being able to put it down. It's it's one of the first books I remember like in class. I had kind of like tucked (laughs) under my desk and I was reading it like during class. That's amazing. Because I was like, I got to keep reading this book. I cannot stop. And it's way more interesting interesting to me than whatever math we're learning about or Uh, whatever. If you don't know anything about the book, it's a children's book and it won the award for like best children's book. I can't remember what that award is called back in the seventies. It's an, it's an older book. It's really well respected. And it's about this little mouse that lives in a field on a farm. She has a sick son. Oh, normally they move from this house, their winter home to their summer home, but Mm. she can't move because her son has pneumonia and he wouldn't survive the journey. But the farmer is going to come very soon because it's almost spring to plow the field and that's going to destroy their home. She's trying to figure out what do they do 
Oh, man. With her family to get them to safety. Good gosh. I know. It actually has like <laughs> this insane amount of depth to it. Yeah. And, and one of the interesting things for a children's story is the main character is not a child. Mm. Most of the time when you read kids sure. books, the main characters are kids or yeah, they're teenagers or something like that. That's a good point. And in this case, you're actually looking at life through the lens of a mom. Yeah. Wow. And I remember thinking about that as a kid and being like, this is really interesting. Yeah. This is what it's like to be a parent and to think about these things. And then there's kind of this like science fictiony element that all of a sudden comes into the book oh. at some point too, that I think kind of started my love for like fantasy and science yes. fiction. She ends up meeting these rats of Nim and without giving too much away about the book in case you want to go read it, which yeah. I would still highly suggest. Yeah. She meets these rats that have like this really advanced society oh my and gosh. know a, a bunch about technology and all this stuff. And so she works with them to come up with a plan to save her son. Wow. And it's kind of a race against the clock. And it like, I mean, hopefully I'm hooking you yeah, in with yeah. like the synopsis wow. of this story <laughs> because I read this book and could not put it down and yeah. remember to this day so many years later and more so than just the story itself. It, it's a great story and I highly yeah. suggest you go oh, read yeah. it. But it was really just kind of a reminder to me as I was reflecting on it. I just love these stories <laughs> that like capture yes. us and captivate us and sure. you just cannot get away from I remember having dreams about it at night, oh, right? Gosh. Or, or like daydreaming about what this society would have looked like or how yes. this would have worked or whatever. And Definitely what, recommend you go back and read it, by the way. Check Just it out. Please go do that. Yeah. yeah it's, it's really good. You mentioned earlier these things that connect us to family. And now that I look back at this, I realize that all of mine that I've kind of thought through, they're all in some way connected to yeah. family for mm -hmm. me, which is yeah. interesting. Do you remember the old school video stores? Yes. yes. We had one in town. There are not a lot of those left, are no, there? No, there's not. We had one in town called silver screen you could go in and browse these you know like walls covered <laughs> right yes yeah. and they had these little velcro discs on the top where you could peel them off to like that's how you do if they were rented or not ah, like okay. you peel them off if you want to rent that movie and you go back and they'll give you one friday night if it was good friday night we're spent kind <laughs> of like scouring the video mm, store a lot yeah. of times i would go with my dad he was kind of the video file in our family is that right. a word sure um, yeah <laughs> Cinephile? Yeah. Yeah. So we would kind of scour the, D the DVDs, the VHS yeah, tapes. Yeah, I was say. Yeah, not the DVDs. <laughs> that was a thing when those came out. Whoa. I remember having like arguments with myself. Do I choose Annie or all dogs go to uh, heaven? Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. Which yeah. one? And I'd be like, I'll get that one next yes. time. Like, okay. Did you ever have this conundrum between a new video yes. versus like the one you've seen a million times. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Of course. Like that was always my conundrum at the video store. Uh, yeah. It was like, I know this one's good. I've I seen know. it 37 times. <laughs> I kind of want to watch it for a 38th time. Exactly. But there's this new video. Yes. I don't the know. The stakes were high. Exactly. It's so yeah. true. Oh yeah. I had that problem all the time. So the video store is a big deal for me. And then <laughs> bonus goes with the video store. Across the street, there was a Kmart with a Little Caesars pizza inside <laughs> of it. Uh, and we would have movie nights movie night a lot pizza. of time with Little Caesars pizza, oh which is not the best pizza anymore. But at the time, Doesn't it matter. was like hey, amazing. It's pizza. I know. Okay. It's, we're actually planning a pizza and movie night with my family for yes, this Friday night. Nice. We're doing this with our kids. That's awesome. And, you know, it's a little more Netflix oriented now than oh, actually yeah, going yeah. to the video store. Right. Unfortunately, <laughs> I do think you lose like a little I bit know. of, I don't know, at least yeah. the... The yeah. old fogey in me wants adventure. to think that you kind of lost something a little bit. It's kind of magical. And not going to yeah. the video store. Yeah. The other part of it, that experience that I loved, though, which we're doing with our kids, just because yeah. I remember loving it so much, is we got to eat in the living room. Yes. Yeah. I don't know, like we'd set out like towels on the yeah. floor and like so we didn't get the carpet messy. You yes. know, and eat in the, oh. It was a big deal. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. And still to this day, I'm like Friday night 
pizza night. Like mm. that's my ideal. Sure. I'm like, yeah. I want to sit on the couch with the people I love and watch a good movie and bond. It's you experiential. Know. Like it's you had a full absolutely. journey of like, okay, we're doing the video store. Yeah. We're getting, it's almost ritualistic of this is what a good Friday is. Yes, yeah. exactly. I and, love that. Oh yeah. It was so much fun. The one other thing about it, I always loved video games oh, and they yeah. had video games at the video store as well. Mm-hmm. But the video games always cost like five times more than right. the videos yes. did. Yep. Yes. And so my parents would never let me get one. At least uh. that's how I felt as a child. Right. <laughs> And then, like every once in a while, like special occasion or something, oh. they let me rent a video game. Oh it was like, oh, like, like there was a dopamine rush I got as a child. You're still coming a, down from off a of new it. video game experience that was like unlike anything else for me. Yeah, That's speaking so awesome. of video games, in 2007, a game called Halo Three came out. Um, your boy Isaac was 13 years old. I was built like a praying mantis. <laughs> And because of that, my parents thought, you know, I need to be socialized around good people. Uh, We're doing air quotes here. uh (laughs) And it was decided that I would play basketball for my homeschool's co-op team. Okay. I was awful at it. I spent most of the time, and this is going to tie into the video game in just a second. I spent most of the time just being tall under the basket. Well, you know, I would use my basketball. That's not a bad. Yeah, it's not a bad quality. I would use my mantis arms to just swat (laughs) shots away from less tall kids. Uh. The plan for me to make good people and be around good young men um, worked through basketball, but really in a weird roundabout way, because around that time, Halo had come out and all of the kids on the basketball team were all playing Halo three. You know, I thought, okay, cool. I haven't played Halo one or two, but all of my friends are now playing Halo three. Okay. Best believe I'm a hop on that. Yeah. Like Star Wars, Halo 3 kind of provided this really quick touchstone to make friends with. A couple of months after it came out, I bought an Xbox 360, the cheapest version that they had. It didn't have like a hard drive with mm-hmm. it. It just, I bought the bare minimum. Right. Wow. And I bought Halo, y'all. <laughs> Changed your life. Changed. It's the experiential thing because it had this huge multiplayer function of it mm. where you either did the campaign together or you right. did co-op online or, you know, against your friends. Most of 2007 through 2008, <laughs> my friends from the basketball team, we'd go to practice and kind of uh, basketball. Yeah. And then we talk go, about Halo 3, the whole practice. Yeah. And then we'd go and play Halo. And y'all, I looked up the loading screen music for Halo 3. Oh, and I'm not kidding. I'm going to admit this. It's a vulnerable moment for me. <laughs> I teared up a little bit because that noise was the your night is about to start. You're about to have a ridiculous time being a stupid 13 year old boy (laughs) with other stupid 13 year old boys. And it's just this huge thing for me. All of the guys that I played with, I still play games with. We're playing different games. Yeah. We don't go to each other's houses hardly at all now. Uh. Living room or basement, like couch gaming sessions. Oh my gosh. We're at the best. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, I I miss that a little bit with like online play and all that. It's cool because I probably wouldn't get to play with anyone at all without online play because I don't have a lot of friends that just come over and hang out in my living room to play video games now. But for birthdays my parents would be like what do you want to do for your birthday party i want to bring over those three dudes yes and we're going to sit on the couch (laughs) and we're going to play super smash brothers on nintendo 64 or whatever the game was at the time and we're just going to do that all night long and they're going to stay overnight we're going to wake up in the morning we're going to eat the leftover cold pizza for breakfast and then we're going to play some (laughs) more that's it you could argue and there's some truth to the fact that i was addicted to video games there's some (laughs) stuff that i had to kind of work through but there was also something very pure about 
I just mm. want to hang out with my friends right. and yes. have a good time in the basement or in the living room. Yeah. I love hearing that too. Like I had a little bit of video game nostalgia, not as much as you guys. Video games were a little more of a loner activity for me mostly. Yeah. But I love hearing that for you guys, it really was a part of building your relational network. Mm, and this it was. very, very cool because it's hard as a kid. Let's be honest. Yeah. It is hard to make friends. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Little kids are scary. <laughs> so, especially when you're a little kid. As an adult, they're scary. <laughs> I know. And so it's very cool that there was something that could bridge that gap for you guys. Yeah. And- One of the other things on my list that's kind of related to video games a little bit, although it's a little less of a video game and more of just a, a computer program, it's called Kid Picks. Did Ooh. either of you guys ever hear of this? No. Okay. I, this is maybe yeah. getting a little bit niche, but there is a computer program that originally came out for the Macintosh. I want to say right around like 1990 mm-hmm. so early Googled this. It's amazing. Okay. <laughs> uh, Kid Picks was basically Photoshop for children. Oh man. On the Mac a way back handsome. when. And I first got introduced to this through like my school computer class. Oh yeah. Okay. And like kindergarten, first grade kind of a thing. Later on, they actually released subsequent versions of Kid Picks. So there's Kid oh, Picks 2 and 3 yeah. and 4, all the way up through like the mid-2000s, I think, when wow. I was kind of getting into high school. And it was kind of like um, Mario Paint, is yes. that what it's called for Super <gasps> yep. Nintendo? I love that. Yeah, so it's, it's kind game. of that, but on the computer, yeah. right? And a little more, there's a little more you could do with it. Mario Paint was a little more simple. Yeah. It eventually turned into, through the late 90s and early 2000s, there was video capabilities and stuff. Oh. You could create your own animations and things and you could narrate stories and create pictures or whatever all through this little program. And this was basically like my gateway into graphic designer. I was about to say, yeah. That's amazing. This is kind of where I got like this love for creating things and designing things on a computer that eventually carried over into a big part of what I do now on on Photoshop and Illustrator and all these professional tools now. That's incredible. And so, yeah, it really kind of started my love for a lot of this stuff. That is like your superhero origin story. If if your movie, if your life is a (laughs) The fade in is going to be you on kid pics with like some emotional music behind it. It's so true. I have something similar to that. Growing up, I think it was in maybe fifth grade, I discovered some old VHS home videos from when I was like a little, little kid. And I started watching them and became absolutely obsessed. Oh my goodness. It's hard to explain. Like, I think my family was going through a little bit of a tough time and a transition. My oldest brother was moving out. They're quite a bit older than me, eight and 10 years older. My world was rocking a little bit. And so I was going back to these home videos of like our family when look at us, we're all together. And it's so Mm -hmm. sweet. And it's just all these everyday moments that I just Mm. fell in love with. And so I found the ginormous video camera Right. From back then that my dad had that like sat on your shoulder. Yeah. You put the full VHS oh, like, yeah. tape in yeah. it to record on. Oh, and- yeah. I found it and started using it as a fifth grader. Like, oh, my goodness. So perfect timing, right? My most awkward time in life. And I decided to document <laughs> every document detail. I started yeah. vlogging then. I know. <laughs> so I just started carrying it around. My poor friends, I would have friends over for like sleepovers and I would set up the video camera in the morning without telling them (laughs) and like video them waking up. Problem was (laughs) creepy. I know it is creepy. (laughs) I know what was wrong with me. Problem was it was so noisy. Once you turned it on, it was like, (laughs) 
Yeah. And so like it would wake people. I mean, there's no secrets, but I used to do this to friends, like video them in the middle of the night. We're at a sleepover and they're like, geez, Kara, like I was that friend <laughs> yeah. for a while. And then eventually when I got into about sixth or seventh grade, it convinced my dad to buy us like a smaller the camcorder. Sony, the camcorder. Yes. My mind was like exploding. So then, I mean, it was just attached to me everywhere I went, documented all of these escapades of sixth and seventh grade, awkward Kara and all of her friends. Oh, that's so great though. But oh, that's amazing. Fun. Do you still have all of these videos then somewhere? Well, like, do they exist? I don't know. Here's the thing. The little ones on the, um, the like mini DVD. The mini DVD. Yeah. yeah. I yeah. don't know how you play those now. Yeah. Like, we will find a way. Okay. <laughs> Isaac wants to see. I'm sure we can care. make it. Yeah. I was just documenting life because sure. I had seen how much joy that brought me yeah. back then. And so I was like, I'm just going to document everything. Oh my goodness. So that I, would be so fun though. Like uh, at an upcoming, like family get together, like yes. a Christmas or like yeah. something like that to like just sit everyone down and go back and watch those. I know. Yeah. I, I mean, wish I could we, find we them We actually all. did that one time with uh, my wife's family. Yes. Somebody, they were cleaning out a closet and they found like an old VHS tape. Yeah. It was like a home video of like a Christmas or something. So and it was fun. like literally just an hour of the camera in the corner while they were opening Christmas presents. Awesome. Right? We sat down and watched the whole thing. Yeah. And it wasn't even my tape and I loved it. Right. There's something yeah about like being able to see like those moments again. Yeah. It's almost mind blowing. Yeah. Yes. Like, this happened. Like yeah. I was yes. there. And the, it's yeah. powerful. You're like that was me as I think a little tiny person. I think it's also cool that you as a young kid were filming stuff because yes. we found an old digital camera that my younger sister got a hold of when we lived in St. Louis. Yes. And she was maybe like five or six. <gasps> so she would be carrying it around and it would be our whole life just from this little like <laughs> gremlin's perspective. <laughs> <laughs> and it's just so adorable because you hear her little commentary on oh, stuff. She's like, well, go down to Ike's room. And it would be like <laughs> disgusting teenage Ike's. So there. She's like, what? <laughs> but it's great. Like it's precious. If, right? I, if we have kids, I'm going to like strap a camera to their head. I and like know. just get their perspective. The great thing is now with cell phones and yeah. stuff, yeah. like these videos are so easy to take and they're yeah. easily accessible. I, I was going to say literally yeah. just a week ago, my yeah. wife and I found ourselves sitting on the couch watching videos from when our daughter Avi was yeah. young. And that's very cool. And yeah, yeah, we're just sitting there watching these videos of her like learning to speak and yeah. you know, oh. me teaching her to say the word uh-oh and like yeah. these ran- oh, Yeah, I can do so, that all, all day and all night. So for sure. precious. I love that videos can kind of serve as like a documentation of your past. For me, this is kind of weird, but I have a bunch of leftover broken skateboards at my house. I have them all still in my like home office. It's my playroom. I'm 25. <laughs> <laughs> my, my home office. <laughs> it's lined with broken skateboards right now because I have tons. Growing up skateboarding was a huge part of my life. I was Mm. maybe 10 when I was given my first skateboard. Yeah. And I lived on this massive hill and I put two and two together like that day. And I was like, (laughs) well, obviously I'm going to try to go down. Yeah. Uh Went down it, crashed. Of course. Nearly just died. (laughs) (laughs) But the fun thing is that I immediately bloodied knees, got back up and ran back up the hill to try it again. Oh my gosh. Mm. And skateboarding was this really cool very cruel, <laughs> cruel and cruel teacher of you do something, you fall and fail miserably. You do it again. You Aww. fall and fail miserably. Yeah. You keep doing that until something good happens. I found other people who skateboarded in my town. Mm. And when you're spending your entire afternoon falling in front of each other. Yes. The awkwardness. Yeah. Anything else is not there. Mm. Right. You, you hurt yourself, fall, laugh about it. Yeah. And learning to laugh at yourself between like 10 and 12 years old. Oh, it's so healthy. Oh, <laughs> oh my gosh. Uh, we were able to joke and laugh with each other. And I think that saved me a lot of pain mm. later on. Like mm. the physical pain of falling 
in front of all my friends, you kind of get the goofiness out of your system. Right. Yeah. And you're just so comfortable with people. Oh my gosh. And you're it's used so, to failing. And that's so who you are today, Isaac. Like you're so good at injecting humor into situations and being lighthearted and not taking yourself too seriously. And it's refreshing. Like oh. that totally makes sense to me that you started way back then. Little Isaac was learning <laughs> this the hard way. Yeah. But that's super cool. And I have so much respect for people who are skateboarders. Oh man. Because yeah. I went through like a very brief phase <laughs> as a child where I was like, I'm going to try skateboarding and uh-huh. kind of did the same thing, like bloody my knee and decided that wasn't for me <laughs> yeah. pretty quickly. Like it is hard. Yeah. To do anything yeah, on a skateboard and the amount of resilience you have to have yeah. and like how much you have to like stick to it and continue yeah. working to even do something that seems relatively basic. Sure. Yeah. It's incredibly challenging. It requires a ton of work and dedication. Oh, yeah. It does. And you would never know it by the people who do it. To this day, I still skateboard off and on just to kind of stay sharp and yeah. keep that around. That's really cool. The intention is that if I have kids, I'm going to get them into skateboarding. Yeah. I volunteer with a little kid. Well, little, he's like 13 now. <laughs> I volunteer with him and I take him to the park when the weather is nice Mm. because he's learning those lessons too of like, it's okay to fail miserably Mm. and to get hurt and then to try it again. You're going to be like the coolest dad ever. it's time for on repeat and i get to do the beta tester on repeat this week and the song that you guys are loving is peabod anti-social i feel a little bit anti-social this is the kind of day i gotta fly solo maybe don't talk because i might get emotional voices too loud help me turn down the vocals i feel a little bit anti-social this is the kind of day i gotta fly solo maybe don't talk because i might get emotional voices too loud help yeah. me turn down the vocals i gotta say 100% agree. Good choice. Yeah. Beta testers. I love this song. The first time you sent it to me and said to listen to it, I remember clearly being like, yes, this is my jam. This is my <laughs> anthem. It's like an introvert anthem, except he's not an introvert. And he points that out later. Yesterday, I was reading a little bit more about this. And at first I was like, yeah, I just love this song because it's basically talking about, hey, I need some time and space <laughs> to take a break, people. Right. I need some alone time. I need you to leave me alone. Going to turn my phone off. Going to chill for a while. So at first I was just like, you know, it's just a song about being an introvert. And so I, I kept reading. The more I read it, I'm like, no, there's some depth here. There's some good wisdom in here about rest and Sabbath. It reminds me of what we talked about in the last episode about hustle and what happens when you don't take a Sabbath. Right. And so you get to verse two and, you know, earlier kind of joking about, yeah, leave me alone. I'm going to Netflix and and have some Mm Chick-fil-A and all this. But you get to verse two and he says, when I wake up hard to keep my eyes peeled, hop in the car, fall asleep at the wheel. I'm out of it looking like a zombie for real. I don't even know what I think or what I feel. This is me when I don't take a Sabbath. This is me. When rest just ain't a habit, this is me. When I let life just happen, if I don't wear the cap, someone else will be my captain. When you don't make time for rest, you kind of turn into a zombie and life just happens to you. Yeah. At first, when you listen to the song, you may think, "Eh, it's a little bit selfish. He's just wanting to spend time alone. Like, no, he's saying when I don't value rest and take a Sabbath, I shut out life. And I think we get way too caught up. I'm guilty of this personally mm-hmm. in the whole introvert extrovert thing. We do. Like we make a big deal out of that. There's definitely truth to like some people are more extroverted or more introverted. Yes. But the truth is we all need both of those things. Absolutely. And this whole idea of feeling antisocial or feeling burned out, feeling like you're not getting enough rest yes. is a universal thing. Absolutely. No matter your yeah. personality type, everybody deals with introverted, extroverted, whatever, Absolutely. where you feel like life is controlling you instead yes. of you being in charge of your life. This week is the personal on repeats and mine is NF. Remember this. Yeah, they say when you grow, you'll understand when you're old. Cause I'm still a kid out. 
right, you guys, let's play the game of can Isaac get through this without crying? Oh my <laughs> so this week at the time of this recording, I am a day after I went to the funeral of the woman who was effectively my second mom growing up. Mm. Um, background here. If you're listening to this by now, you know that I'm way into hip hop and I kind of lean into that when yeah. things are hard, when I need motivation or need to kind of like supplement some feeling and just have someone else say the things that I need to say. Mm. And NF, I stayed away from this consciously knowing that if I listen to this in mm. this state, uh, I'm just going to like yeah. become a mushy glob of feelings. <laughs> so the pre-course to this is they say, when you grow up, you'll understand when you're older. Yes. I'm still a kid. I don't know it. If I'll ever let go of this, say goodbye to the old me. We ain't friends anymore. You don't know me. I know I could die in a moment. If I do just remember this, the song sort of addresses building a legacy outside of material objects and building something greater than just success or what the world says is success. And what I saw lived out, what I saw lived out this week was a life lived exactly like that. There's this verse, I don't need pats on the back from people for my achievements. When I die, I want to know that I live for a reason. I saw what it looks like when someone dies living for a reason. And the song just kind of gasses me up to pick a course and make sure that I'm giving it my all to know that when I die, it's not just stuff that I leave behind. It's people saying, this person had an effect on me. Okay, guys, that's a wrap for season four, episode three, where we talked about the things from our childhood that shaped us. And Can I just say, I want to go do all this. I know. I'm like, I want to go read... <laughs> The Rats of Nim. I want to go watch some home videos. Right. Maybe even a musical or two. You're all yes, thank into you. my basement. Yeah. Play some Halo. That's right. Let's do this. We have like a nostalgia night. Let's do it. Thanks for listening to the Real Talk podcast from Real FM. Catch Real Talk with Anson and Kara from 4 to 7 p.m. Live every weekday on Real FM Radio. The views and opinions expressed in this podcast do not necessarily represent or reflect the views of John Brown University, KLRC Radio, or Real FM.